You're listening to Freestyle Flavor. I'm your host, Chef Tarsha. Welcome back to the podcast. In this episode, stay tuned for my conversation with Evan Rochford, joining us from Indianapolis, Indiana. We'll talk about his role as co-founder and CEO of the company Nutramaze and find out more about the brand's extensive product line, Professor Torbert's Orange Corn. You've got freestyle flavor. Put your listening ears on. Stay close. I'll be right back. Yeah, that is the Professor Torbert Rochford, uh, the one and only. He is my father, uh, as well as the co-founder of our company, Nutramaze. And he, you know, he's the inspiration for uh, what we do as a company, as well as the the brand icon that we put on the package. And so he's, you know, he's really dedicated his entire life to uh, trying to improve the world through science and agriculture. Orange corn is a um, an idea, you know, a technology, a product um, that really has the power to fundamentally change one of the world's largest staple crops. And so, you know, millions of people in this country eat, you know, corn-based foods every day, or foods like eggs that were uh, fed with corn. And uh, people around the world, there's people in Sub-Saharan Africa that you know, maybe the majority of their calories uh, in a day come from eating eating corn, you know, kind of their version of grits. Um, and so, you know, what orange corn is, is it's, you know, it gets its dark orange color from increased levels of carotenoids, which are the same kind of compounds, uh, antioxidants that give carrots their orange color. And so uh, basically what we're doing is we're just kind of, we're taking yellow corn and we're, we're cranking it up a notch, um, you know, giving it some more nutritional density. And uh, this is really important because most Americans are at, at a much higher risk of losing their vision as they age because they don't, they don't get enough of these uh, important antioxidants that can protect their eye health. You've got Freestyle Flavor, a podcast cookumentary highlighting all things food. Stay posted for my conversations with cooks, educators, farmers, ranchers, and regular folks talking about the flavors we all love. We'll learn so much about where our food is coming from, recipe profiles, ingredients, and fanfare tasty fanfare stay posted our next episode is coming up now good morning evan good morning tarsha welcome to freestyle flavor how are you 
doing great. I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Oh, yeah. How's the weather there? <laughs> um, it's very white. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, we're covered in snow, it's, but it's nice and bright. You know, beats beats gray days. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure it's sure it's a lot colder than it is down there in Texas. Yeah, let me tell you. Tell, and tell us where you are exactly. Yeah, so I'm located in uh, Indianapolis, uh, Indiana. And then um, our, our company, Nutramace, where uh, most of us are located up in Lafayette, West Lafayette area, which is where Purdue University is. Wow, okay. Yeah, today here in Texas, it is so hazy, gray, misty. Uh, you know, but when we look on the TV and see what you guys are going through, we're just like, let's just settle in with a good hot <laughs> cup of coffee. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah, no, I've got my I've got my thermos full of uh, of tea here, and just, you know, trying to trying to keep it trying to keep it cozy. You know, that's how the Norwegians do it. They keep it Huga. So I'm just trying to embrace what, that. What kind of tea do you drink? I'm so right now I'm drinking. So this is chamomile and ginger. Uh, and I also add a little bit of ginseng uh, in it as well, some lemon. So it's a nice little herbal tea. Well, you are keeping it cozy. If you're drinking chamomile this early, it makes me so. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, go ahead then. Look. <laughs> so. Tell us a little bit about Nutramaze, your company. Yeah, so uh, Nutramaze is a company that I co-founded with my father, uh, who is a professor at Purdue University, uh, Torbert Rochford. He, so we, we founded the company around uh, orange corn. So orange corn is something that he has been working on for more than 20 years, uh, started in the mid 1990s. And initially, the focus was to help alleviate malnutrition in sub-Saharan Africa. And so in a lot of places in Africa, uh, the predominant staple crop is white corn. And white corn uh, provides a lot of calories, uh, but it provides very little nutritional value in terms of, uh, you know, other key micronutrients like vitamin A uh, or beta carotene, which can be turned into vitamin A. And so there's a lot of places in Africa where people are eating a lot of corn and they're also suffering from vitamin A deficiencies. And so uh, the idea is called uh, biofortification, um, which basically means it's naturally breeding uh, a crop to increase the level of a micronutrient that is in it. And uh, this results in uh, what you would call, I guess, a nutritionally enhanced crop. And so now orange corn is being grown in uh, over 10 countries in Africa um, and it can provide you know enough pro vitamin A to keep someone from from suffering from severe vitamin A deficiencies which can cause uh, blindness it can cause um, you know loss of night vision and, and more you know more severely it weakens your immune system so then you're more susceptible to death through other other causes um, and wow. so yeah so it's it's really it affects you know, it's an estimated, you know, three to five hundred thousand children um, die every, I think, five years. Um, you know, so it's it's pretty, pretty, pretty significant. And um, you know, and, and and so sort of as opposed to 
um, supplementation, which is very effective, or traditional fortification, which is also very effective when you're putting nutrients into a food that's being processed. Um, Biofortification is a lot more sustainable uh, and a lot more appropriate for places where people are maybe in, you know, hard to reach, right? It's hard to get supplements to them, or it's hard to, um, you know, it's, they're not necessarily participating in an industrialized food system, right? They're not buying breakfast cereal that's been fortified, right? They're they're growing corn or they're buying it from their neighbor, um, and they're you know they're they're processing it and cooking it, um, you know, sort of more on that subsistence farmer level, and so. Um, you know, that's really been the target um, so far, but now we're, you know, uh, our nonprofit partner called Harvest Plus, which is, they're the ones who do all this work globally. Um, they're really looking to, to, to see, you know, how can we scale this up, right? Um, and, that, and that's very related to what we're doing here in the United States, right? Um, so we uh, don't suffer from vitamin A deficiencies in the United States, but we do suffer from deficiencies of other carotenoids. And so, uh, carotenoids are, are what make uh, orange corn orange. They're what make yellow corn yellow. Uh, they're what make carrots orange uh, and give them, you know, their well-known health benefits. Um, so basically, it's the same thing that makes carrot or makes yellow corn yellow. We just have a lot more of it. And um, you know, the focus for Africa is breeding for carotenoids that can turn into vitamin A. Whereas here, we're more focused on um, delivering more uh, of these two other carotenoids are referred to as macular carotenoids and that's because they accumulate in your eye in the central region of your eye the macula uh, and they shield it from uv light damage and oxidation and so if you don't eat enough of these you are at a much higher risk of losing your vision as you age due to age-related macular degeneration which is the leading cause of vision loss uh, in the developed world in the united states um, wow. Yeah, and so let, let, let me break in on you. Um, <laughs> I can tell you, you, you look, you. Hey, I'm just gonna sit back and go to school with you. You know. All right. All right. Um, a couple of things. A, um, I want to jump back. I wonder what came first. You know, for your dad, was it Africa or was it orange corn? Or where, where's the connection there? Yeah, so uh, Torbert, you know, he's a he's a geneticist by training, and so he, you know, he was trained as a plant breeder, and then as a geneticist, and so he kind of sits at this interface of basic research and applied research, um, and so you know, he initially was was really, you know, he knew he knew that there was, you know, if we make corn more nutritious, that's going to have some benefit, right? Um, he started working on it, you know, to really figure out, you know. What are, what are what are the mechanisms behind carotenoid production in corn, right? And so, you know, there's a lot of diversity um, in corn, you know, from white, which has a gene that turns off carotenoid production, uh, to orange, right, which which is obviously much higher than yellow. And so, you know, what what genes that exist, you know, they're already existing in the corn genome, right? This is not, not, this is not genetic modification. This is not introducing things from other plants or animals. This is you know, looking at the biodiversity that exists and figuring out, you know, why are certain, why are certain lines, why are certain varieties, why are they expressing this trait at a higher level, right? And so it was, you know, sort of a, a more basic research, you know, sort of uh, question. And then, you know, as they waded into it, 
um, you know, realized that there's this there's this this large need, and there was also this budding you know biofortification movement. And so Torbert, you know, Torbert joined Harvest Plus when it was founded in 2001 um, as a founding contributor, and you know he was. He was the de facto the world expert at the time because he was the only person um, who, who he was the only person who had been working on it. So, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, know. it's like you're the king. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> we'll follow you. Yeah, he likes to say it's like when you it's like when you're a kid and you're you know they have different you know racing you're like foot racing and you have different heats and you're the only one in your heat so you automatically win, right? Um, yeah, yeah, but yeah. Um, yeah so yeah. harvest plus. That a, does that uh, budding from Purdue up, or where is Harvest Plus coming out of? Yeah, so Harvest Plus is a program of the uh, they call them the CG centers, and so they're um, a consortium of international uh, agricultural centers. They were um, founded most of them about 50 years ago, and it's basically part of the Green Revolution. And, and so Norman Borlaug worked at one of them. And they, you know, they're an NGO. They are international. There's, you know, one in Mexico. There's one in Nigeria. Um, I think there's 17 uh, of them in total um, globally. And so basically their mission is to breed crops that will help, you know, raise sort of the, the livelihoods, well-being of, of people um, around the world. And they would mostly been focusing on yield. Right, because that's kind of the that's okay. the the most straightforward way to you know kind of how do we you know the big the big thing in the you know the 20th century is how do we end caloric deficit right like how do we get people enough food so they don't starve right, right. and we basically solve that you know I mean there still is famine I mean there still is hunger but it's usually a result of poor distribution of food um, or political right, no circumstances access. no access it's a, it's an access problem you know there really is enough food now for everyone um, but sort of the byproduct of you know people eating more and more staple crops you know um, was that you know dietary diversity did go down right and so it's it's economically rational to choose to eat a lot of a grain because it's 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 easy to produce it's affordable you know it it will fill your stomach right right um, but they're not as nutrient dense you know as vegetables or animal products and so you know biofortification was sort of this recognition of you know we solved one problem um, but now, you know, we don't want just we don't want just want full stomachs. We want, you know, healthy individuals that have the ability to, you know, reach their potential um, and not be stunted by, um, you know, micronutrients, malnutrition, malnutrition. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, um, uh, you say biodiverse uh, biofortification, yeah. which it kind of sounds scary to you know <laughs> just the lay ear you know you're like what is that does that i heard you say natural mm-hmm. um growth process um does that have anything to do with a genetic modification then kind of uh clear that up yeah yeah so so right bio bio fortification is a natural process um you know the bio just speaks to the fact that you are fortifying that the plant the actual plant you're using the plant's own capacity to make it more nutritious rather than a traditional fortification 
or you're adding it in after the fact. And so um, it does, it does sound scientific. Um, uh-huh. It's one of the reasons why we're moving more towards, you know, saying uh, nutrient enriched crop, right? Which that yeah. very much explains what it is. Um, you know, and so these, these, um, these crops that are being delivered worldwide, you know, these are nutrient rich crops, but sort of the, uh, the technical term for how you develop them is you use biofortification. You um, harness the plant's ability to, you know, using existing, existing genes, existing natural sort of diversity within the plant. So there's no, there's no scary chemical lab add in spray down no, uh, there's none no, of that. No, no. So okay. it's, yeah, it's very, na- it's very natural. Um, I don't, I don't want to call out any names when we talk about corn, <laughs> but uh, you get my meaning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. So this is, I mean, this is the same. This is the same way that you know people have been breeding crops since the beginning of the agricultural revolution, right? This is, this is just um, selecting, putting selection pressure on you know, a species in order to get a trait to be expressed that you want, right? So it's like, how do you get a chihuahua from a wolf, right? Like they don't look anything similar at all, right? But if you, enough generations and enough um, selection, you can really um, change the way that a species expresses itself, right? Most of the, most of the horticultural crops, the fruit and vegetable crops that we grow today look very dissimilar from what people were growing even a few hundred years ago. If you look at paintings of water, if you look at paintings of watermelons, they're all pithy and have all these holes in them. And, um, you know, so there's, there's a tremendous amount that you can do, um, just by leveraging what already exists within a plant. And I think that, and one of the, one of the ways that we've been able to make, um, such profound progress, um, recently is that with technology, um, and with a, a, a more advanced understanding of genetics, you know, we can use that to be more targeted, to be, you know, and to speed things up, right? We're not just relying on, oh, this one looks better, right? We can actually understand what's going on kind of behind the scenes and then use that information, um, you know, to, to produce better outcomes. So you say high carotenoid content, is that the same thing as antioxidant rich? Yeah, so carotenoids, um, you know, they are antioxidants. They're found in all sorts of fruits and vegetables. They're found, um, actually, they're found a lot in green leafy vegetables. They, uh, they're part of uh, the photosynthetic process in plants. And so they basically, help uh, quench free radicals that are thrown off during uh, photosynthesis and keep the chlorophyll from from you know being destroyed during the process and so um, they're really fundamental to the physiology of plants and there's something that humans have um, you know sort of been consuming um, since you know the time you know immemorial um, and so they're really uh, also very integrated with our own physiology and um, carotenoids have been found not just to only benefit eye health, but um, they have a wide range of benefits as antioxidants, and they've been associated with, you know, lower risks of, you know, uh, 
heart, you know, or, you know, uh, right. artery, you know, artery problems, and they've now started being associated with, you know, potentially lower risk for cognitive decline because they accumulate mm-hmm. the brain, and they're yeah, associated cellular with cellular repair. Nerve- you know? So yeah, and yeah. and they're associated with the development of you know brain you know brain in children, and so um, you know these are really um, although you know the, the carotenoids that we focus on are not uh, vitamins, right? They don't have a daily recommended intake. Um, they are critical for the biological function of humans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very interesting. Uh, Let's back up a little bit and talk about, uh, you know, actually where you come from. I mean, did you grow up on a farm or I noticed that you're using the term breeding versus cultivation, Mm -hmm. which I find Mm -hmm. interesting uh, when we're talking about uh, a vegetable or grain crop. Um, I'm jumping around a little bit, but my mind is working like that. So breeding sure. versus cultivation is there a reason why you're choosing that terminology yeah so you know we you know i'm not you know i'm not a farmer my father's not a farmer okay. um so what we do is we work on the developing the varieties that a farmer would grow and okay. so you know so we're we're kind of a step back from you know planting it growing it harvesting it um, we, you know, we work with farmers to do that, right? So we, we work with family farmers to produce our products. Um, but what we're doing is we're not just, you know, taking the seed that's available and planting it. We're actually developing new varieties of seed that have improved quality characteristics, um, like better nutrition, like better flavor, right? In addition to better performance when you grow them. Um, you know, so that's sort of that's that's my father's sort of. Uh, th- does that start out with a seed, though? Does that that obviously has to start with, you know, having a seed? Are you are you somewhere, right. you know, planting and sprouting and, you know, yeah, yeah. So you know, so breeding corn, um, yeah, you're you're planting a, a seed and you're letting it grow and then you. Basically, you know, corn has the ear and it has the tassel. And what you do is you you cover both of them and then you can control um, what plant mates with what plant. And so um, it's it's actually compared to a lot of other species like wheat, they have, you know, sort of the male and female, um, you know, organs are on the same head of wheat. So it's very difficult to to crossbreed them. Um, But with corn, basically you're just, you're controlling um, you know, what, what the two different parents are of a variety, um, or you're selfing it, you know, you're self-pollinating it, which makes it, um, kind of starts fixing the genes. Um, and so, so corn is typically grown as a hybrid, which means you have sort of two parents that have been selected to be relatively, uh, homogeneous. So basically their, their, their genes are relatively fixed. Uh, and then when you cross them, you get this, you get this result, which is called hybrid vigor. And so basically, um, by crossing two genetically, sort of unrelated or diverse parents, you get this plant that is like way more productive than its its parents. And so that's really where, you know, what corn breeding is about is, is developing, um, you know, lines that have the traits that you want. So then you can produce uh, seed that will, you know, perform well uh, in, in a commercial setting. 
Yeah. Um, <clears throat> what What is your educational background? I mean, you are you a nerd? Um, <laughs> you, you sound like you got a real handle on this. I, I know it sounds like your dad is like this agro genius. What, what, what's your background? <laughs> yeah, my my background is not scientific. So, I mean, I, I enjoyed science in high school. Um, but uh, I actually, I studied religious studies uh, in oh, college. Okay. And I studied mostly Hinduism and Buddhism. And then... Um, I did a certificate in political and civic engagement. I was an environmental activist for a while. And then um, I also did an individualized major at Indiana University in uh, permaculture and urban sustainability. So sort of sustainable design, uh, sustainable food systems, uh, you know, built and ran uh, some community gardens, uh, both in college and afterwards. And, um, you know, but I, I'm, uh, I guess I'd like to consider myself somewhat of a renaissance man. I'm, I'm, I'm generally uh, intrigued by just about everything. And uh-huh. so um, most of, you know, most of all of this information that I'm sharing, you know, this has really been acquired, you know, through self-education and, and just by doing. And I've I've written um, and been successfully awarded a number of federal grants, uh, you know, uh, for the company. And so I did a lot of research, um, just a lot of reading academic papers and, you know, discussions with my father. I mean, I was raised by my father, right? So I grew up you know, yeah. pollinating corn in the field yeah. and listening to conversations about, you know, corn breeding and genetics. Yeah. And yeah. Um, so I was, yeah. <laughs> so I mean, Some as a kid, were you like, were you into sports or anything? Or were you, you know, was it all about yeah. science or were you looking at science in everything, you know, in your environment, really? Yeah, I mean, so I, I you know, had a pretty, uh, diverse array of interests. I was, you know, definitely a very good student and did very well in science and enjoyed that. But I also uh, sang in choir. I um, I played football. I was actually a captain of my football team uh, senior nice. year. Um, I am an Eagle Scout um, okay. as well. So, you know, camping and, 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 and you know, lead, learning about servant leadership was some a big, a big part of my youth. Um, so, yeah, like I said, um, pretty 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 broadly interested in uh in in most uh most things about the world do you um you say eagle scout i was in the girl scouts as well and it's funny because i uh haven't recently but i used to go around and talk to troops and you know uh girl scout troops um Mm -hmm. do you have any and and i and i noticed that it, it seems to be like this dwindling um, membership. I don't know really, but uh, because I remember when I used to be, it's like it was everywhere. And so I wonder, mm-hmm. do you still have any engagement with the Boy Scouts? And uh, you know, what do you feel about it? Yeah, I'm not, you know, I'm not currently engaged. It's definitely something I think as I get older and, you know, as um, you know, my wife planned to start a family, you know, um, that's definitely something that I am interested in getting engaged with again. And I'm I'm actually very excited that, you know, the Boy Scouts has now um, opened up to, 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 to women or to girls um, as well. And um, I think that's really exciting because, you know, um, I think the programming is just really great. And I think that, um, you know, I think that we've we've gotten um, I don't know. I mean, with with the rise of technology and just the constant onslaught of information and um, the pinging and the social media likes and um, and everything, I think that um, you know 
kids have so much more access to information and so many different things that they can do. And I think that, um, you know, I wouldn't say Boy Scouts has ever been considered to be like a very cool thing to do, but um, I think that, you know, for me, it was amazing. It was, I mean, it's, I, I consider it to be such an important part of yeah. um, what's, what's enabled me to be, to, you know, to, to achieve a certain level of success as a young CEO, you know, of a startup company. You know, I spent a lot of my youth learning about how to lead an organization, you know, being a patrol leader, senior patrol leader, uh, right. being a, you know, a, a, a leader within the Boy Scouts Honor Society. And, um, you know, I think that um, we're, I think that I, I hope that we're going to see over the next, I don't know, 10 to 20 years, I hope that we, we see somewhat of a reformation in terms of how we engage with technology. And this is something that's actually, I think about a lot in my um, personal life, which is, you know, technology has is tremendously powerful, but it's it's a tool, right? And right. there right. you can either engage with it intentionally or you can engage with it in sort of a mindless, um, sort of uh, addictive, um, right. sort of compul- compulsory way. And so, that's one of the things that I've really worked on in my life is, you know, how do I, how do I use technology to reduce the friction in my life? You know, uh-huh. maybe to automate some things and, and make things, you know, easier access to information is definitely easier. Uh, communication is easier, but also sometimes communication is too easy. Um, yeah. you know, and, exactly. and, and, and not, and not making myself accessible, you know, 24 seven, you know, right. um, yeah. I, I think it's really, I think that we, as a culture, we need to figure out how we're going to appropriately engage with technology and how we're going to, you know, re-engage with, you know, people. some things that, yeah, with people, you know, and I think, I hope, you know, and it's like going back to Boy Scouts, right? Like, I, I hope that, you know, when I have children of my own, that they are interested in pursuing that because it's, you know, it's very focused on tangible you know, and intangible, you know, sort of human um, interaction and skills and and things like that. Yeah, interesting. I I, I totally agree with you. I think that, um, you know, for me as an educator um, with my own organization, Ecotone World, uh, mm-hmm. we have a great deal of engagement with young people. And mm-hmm. um, part of that experience really is just kind of being this steward or conduit avenue flow to uh, young people engaging with themselves and trying to interrupt Mm -hmm. that technology, um, you know, plateau or island that they all find each other on different islands. Also, Mm -hmm. you know, for me as a um, former culinary professor, Mm -hmm. I would see how technology has so... um, so intentionally, I think intentionally, uh, disrupted interpersonal skills where I would be in the classroom and, you know, do something uh, or give an assignment that was, you know, a team building exercise. And, you know, it's kind of like these young people have fallen away from the idea of teamwork and what does that mean? So, you know, if you say, hey, you guys get together, brainstorm on this or that or whatever, how to come up with the next best crop to feed the world, 
uh, that would be like something that they could sit there, you know, as long as I let them in silence and dumbfounded, unless I said, okay, you guys, you know, text each other and immediately, you know, <laughs> they would respond. So, I mean, it's just incredible. Um, I certainly think that uh, interpersonal skills, engagement, um, it's critical. It's critical thinking skills as well. So I I love agriculture. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. I love agriculture. You know, agriculture is so tangible and it's so, you know, it's so fundamental to who we are as as a culture, as a civilization, as people. I mean, it's the number... It's number one way that we interact with the physical world, right? You know, I mean, it's, it, it's, you know, it's really the number one way that we commune with nature. You know what I mean? It's, it's, uh, has such tremendous impacts on sustainability, has such tremendous impacts on our own health, our well-being, and how we feel um, on our culture, how we, how we relate to one another, and you know, sharing meals is one of the most fundamental, you know, social interactions that we that we engage in, and exactly. you know, I think that. That's why it's for me, it's so exciting to be, you know, working on food and working on agriculture and yeah. trying to do something. And this is something that we really we, we try to focus on is, you know, how do we how do we not only help bring a better food product to market, but how do we use that to, you know, um, you know, cultivate a community of, you know, people that are, you know, interested in, you know, making the world better through food and agriculture and, you know, how do we create sort of more authentic or how do we help people have more authentic, you know, sort of interactions with their food and with um, each other. And I think that, um, you know, it's obviously like pretty lofty, Um, but I think that setting that intention, right. And saying that like, we're going to be more than just um, a food product, right? Like what we're talking about, this whole idea of nutrient enriched crops, like this is a global movement, right? This is, this is an idea that has the ability to positively impact the nutritional status of billions of people around the world. Right, right. You said religious studies. And Mm -hmm. um, so, and I'm listening to the way you talk, uh, (laughs) uh, which lends to you being this spiritual guy that I imagine uh, there's this thread of obviously spirituality intention mindfulness mm-hmm. that is running through the core of what you're trying to do uh with nutrimaze mm-hmm. and you know working with what you have what is your world view in terms of uh, how you and your dad you know are aiming to affect you know the mm-hmm. world you just talked about you know how this is you know active this is not something that we're talking about as science fiction or something that Mm -hmm. used to be this is something that's happening now right yeah i think that you know um i was kind of i was kind of raised with i guess what you would call quaker values right um so like pretty so like pretty um you know like i don't we don't really believe that you can like really make anyone do anything Um, (laughs) like you can't it's it's not really your place right like it's not my place to like to tell people how to live their lives or what to do or really to judge them it's like my my basically my job my worldview you know like i feel i feel morally 
um, particularly as a privileged white male, I feel morally obligated to use the gifts that I've been given to try to make the world a better place. And, you know, I, the only way I can really do that is by giving people, you know, better tools, better information, you know, and trying to develop, you know, trying to work on this technology, this product that, you know, can enable people to improve their lives or hopefully make them think about, you know, things in a different way as well. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the day, you know, um, at, at the end of the day, every day, is your heart filled with knowing that you're one step at a time really striving to make the difference and you see that predictive uh, productivity in action? Or how do you I how think- do you take that in, you know, as, uh, you know, consciousness? Yeah, I think that, you know... I wouldn't say every day. I wouldn't say at the end of every day, I feel, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. that I'm not, like, certainly not while you're having a beer. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, you know, not- you know some, some days kick you in the teeth, you know, and I think that um, we're all, you know, we're all like severely human. And, you know, I think that one of the things I've been working on is doing more things in my life, building habits that will keep you know, when things pull me away from this sort of, you know, sort of more centered sort of, you know, place, right? This, this place of mindfulness, right? What can I do, you know, to um, bring myself back to that, right? So maybe exercise, meditation, you know, listening to a thoughtful podcast, having an insightful discussion with my wife, right? Like it, a lot of it, it just comes down to, you know, how do I fill my life with more intention? And... Right. How do I remind myself that even the things that are painful to do in my work, you know, or unenjoyable, um, you know, they are important. Um, and even if they don't seem important, um, they're important because they're they're helping me achieve that that vision and that long term, you know, sort of goal. And, and that's something I think too that I've been working on with my team is how do we really you know, we all know abstractly, you know, okay, we're trying to make the world better. But how do we, how do we put, you know, things in place, right? So that we really are, you know, intentionally keeping that at the forefront of what we do. And then we're letting that guide us and we're letting that keep us from getting distracted, you know, because yeah. it's very easy to chase shiny objects. Um, oh, yeah. and, and so that's something, you know, I've been working on is, you know, how, like, Really, and I'm a big fan of uh, Simon Sinek and Start With Why. And, you know, that's, you know, something we've been talking more and more about is, you know, what's our why? You know, our why is we want to improve, we want to improve health through agriculture, right? Like we want to help make the world better. And then, you know, the cascades down from that, well, how are we going to do it? You know, and what exactly are we going to do? But I really think it all starts with that why. And I think that keeping that why, that vision, um, you know, sort of at the forefront, it, that can really help stave off, you know, um, or at least help you rejuvenate you when you do get those feelings of, of you know, maybe being burnt out, you know. Um, and yeah. we, as we've talked about, I mean, especially with the pace of society these days and the pressures that we feel, it's extremely easy to overwork yourself or to get inundated with, you know, things that really aren't adding value to your life and so um you know and 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 like you know i've got (laughs) i have my good days and my bad days and i think that 
Um, the thing that I've learned as I've gotten a little bit older is, um, you know, just figuring out how do, how do I get back on the horse, you know, um, when I get knocked off. Well, you certainly had a very good day, I would assume, when you made the Forbes 30 under 30 <laughs> list in uh, 2020. I mean, talk about how good of a day that was. That was that was great. Yeah, no, it was actually funny because I'd had a horrible day the day before, and I was like, at the end of that day, I was like, <laughs> I was like, well, maybe tomorrow the list is going to come out, and hopefully I'll be on it. Yeah. And then, you know, and then, I, yeah, and then I, and then I made the list and it was, you know, it was really cool. It was a great, you know, it was, it was great to be recognized. Um, you know, I think that, you know, what I, one of the things that it made me realize though, is recognition is great, you know, and getting this notoriety that, that really raised the profile of our company and made me more visible yeah. as, a, as a leader um, is really great. But, you know, one of the things that, you know, I think I've learned time and time again, right, is that, um, you know, it's really not about, like, it's really not just about the achievement, right, or the goal, right? And and because we, we, we spend a lot of our lives chasing these goals, and this goes a lot to like Buddhist philosophy, right? We like, yeah. we keep, we keep putting our fulfillment and our happiness behind, um, you know, achievements or uh, waypoints, right? And then we get there and then, and then we, and then we end up maybe not feeling great because we realized that this actually didn't give us the ultimate fulfillment that we had pegged on right, to it. Exactly. Um, and so, you know, it was really, <laughs> it was really awesome. It was really awesome, you know, and that, and that list, getting on that list has led to a lot of other really great things. But I think that, you know, ultimately, you know, what I, what I ended up realizing, I was like, I was like, you know, the reason I made it on this list is because I've always put the mission first and the vision first and doing the good work first. Right. Sure. And that, you know, I need to let that be continue to be my guiding light rather than becoming obsessed with, you know, um, getting, you know, getting more and more famous or what, you know, whatever you want to call it. Right. Yeah. Um, you got, your, your headdress has a lot of feathers in them. Is your dad um, super proud of you? I mean, what kind of feeling is it? You know, I imagine as a child or uh, someone's child, we are always wanting to you know, get that stroke of like, hey, good job. How did your dad uh, express his thoughts about you being on the list? Yeah, he was, I mean, he was extremely proud. I mean, my father, I, I feel extremely fortunate because my father and my mother have both always been very supportive um, yeah. of me and always very, you know, congratulatory of my achievements. And, um, you know, and I think that, you know, it, it really, it did feel good, you know, and, um, I think that, you know, me and him have a very unique relationship and, you know, he, you know, he's a world renowned scientist. He has an yeah. endowed chair at Purdue University, which is one of the best agricultural universities in the world. I mean, he's an extremely esteemed and successful person, but you would never yeah. really, you would never really know it if you met him because he is very humble. He is just like I was talking about, right? This is, I mean, this is one of the reasons he's my inspiration for him. It's always about the work. It's always about right. how, how do I, how do I apply? myself and my efforts to reaching this goal right this vision of helping the world and so you know that sort of selfless um dedication to the mission is as one of the things you know he really has been you know my inspiration to a large degree and i think that um for him it's been 
you know, really, really satisfying to see me kind of bloom into um, sort of the the leader of the company, you know, that I that I've become. And you know, I mean, he entrusted me with this when I was twenty four years old. We started the company. Wow. Right? I didn't I didn't have any experience, um, you know, but you know, he believed in me, and you know, then I wrote some grants you know now we've been awarded over a million dollars in federal grant funding from grants that i've authored um you know i mean i wrote my first i was i won my first two grants when i was 25 uh wow. you know and so you know and that's so, that boy scout action right there <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know and but you know i i also you know i mean without him um well, without his life's work and, and without yeah. his believing in me and, and recognizing that you know although maybe i wasn't um quite there yet um at age 24 um believing that i would grow into the you know the leader that i needed to be and um you know that's that's really that that, that feels really good and the, the and the forbes was you know it was a it was a great recognition and, and for me it was it was nice because you know like my father is very um sort of accomplished and esteemed and so um you know this this has given me sort of more of my own identity um, yeah. my own right as a successful entrepreneur, um, you know, rather than, rather than just being Torbert's son, which is what I was when we, when we started the company. Yeah. Um, yeah well, you know, right. What, what, what you would have always been, what you will always be, but now you've got your own, your own name, uh, and your own reign. And so that's awesome. You talk about um, the fundraising, the the uh, well over a million dollars in uh, grant funding at this mm-hmm. time. What are you? What's the money going to? How you? How's it serving the company? Yeah. So so we've we've been we've received now three grants. So they're called small business innovation research grants, and they are basically any federal agency that. Um, funds over a hundred million dollars of like extramural funding. So like if they, you know, like NIH, NSF, USDA, um, uh-huh. you know, they all, they all basically, there's a set aside where they have to give two and a half to three and a half percent, um, depending on the size of the organization, um, to small businesses to do research that will help meet their research priorities. And so, uh-huh. um, we have one grant from the National Science Foundation, well actually two, phase one and phase two. Um, and then uh, we've, we've also received one from the USDA, the United States Department of Agriculture. Um, and so the one, the National Science Foundation grant, that um, that really builds on the work that my father did uh, with his colleagues uh, as an academic. So they did, they made some uh, really fundamental gene discoveries that have enabled, you know, the production or the creation of, of lines uh, of corn that have unprecedented levels of, of pro-vitamin A um, that are being used in Africa. and um, so this was really a continuation of that. And um, basically what we're doing is we're taking, um, you know, some of this more of this academic uh, work that was done. And then we're, you know, we're really applying it uh, to developing commercial varieties um, that can be used for large scale applications in the United States. So, you know, right now we do artisan food products, you know, uh, milled products like grits, cornmeal, polenta, but you know, long-term, you know, we're looking at, you know, how do we work with cereal makers to make more healthier breakfast cereal? Or how do we work with, um, you know, snack food makers? And and then, you know, beyond that, what we've shown in our USDA work is that if you feed orange corn 
to chickens, you can make okay. the egg yolks of the hens, you can make egg yolks darker and more nutritious. So you can increase the carotenoid antioxidant carotenoids in the egg yolk, which then in turns improves, you know, it for whoever eats that or the product it's made with, it's made with that egg. Um, we also have shown that we can make the birds healthier. So we can, oh. in, you know, so that we can, we can, we reduced a, a painful foot pad condition, foot pad dermatitis um, that affects uh, about 15% of conventional uh, broilers and about 98% of organic broilers. We reduced it oh. by 50% um, just by switching from yellow to orange corn. Wow, um, that's amazing. And so, yeah, so like when we talk about improving health through agriculture, like we're not just talking about human health, we're also talking about animal health and welfare too. And that's what I think is so powerful about this technology is that, you know, corn, so you can actually trace the, the carbon that corn produces because it's kind of got a unique signature. Um, you can trace it and you can pull some hair out of, you know, you can take a clipping of your hair and test it. Um, and, you know, the average American has like 40 to 70% of the carbon in their body um, originally came from corn because yeah. it's, yeah. it's not I just, see that. you know, it's not just the products that are made from corn. It's the animals that are fed corn. It's, right. you know. Um, all of those things. And so it's really like the, it's like the fundamental building block of our food system. And so if we can make globally, you know, we can, globally, globally, yeah, globally too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, especially in the United States, I mean, you know, um, in Latin America, you know, in Africa, you know, you know, Asia is, you know, more rice-based and there's a lot of places of wheat, you know, wheat is, might be predominant, but, um, you know, it's, it's really, it's really fundamental to our food system. And in a lot of ways that aren't obviously, you know, apparent, you know, when wow. you walk through the grocery store. And so, wow. um, yeah. Yeah. Well, um, you mentioned the product line, milled products. Uh, yeah. you were so generous as to send me out some of the products and I'm so, I was like, oh, yay. You know, um, and I, I have to say that, uh, as a chef and I've been a chef for a, a long time now, uh, I was, extremely uh satisfied and impressed with the product line um particularly uh, i haven't used the corn flour yet i know you have corn flour you have corn meal and then you have the grits but mm -hmm. let me just say that the grits uh, are gone okay first of all <laughs> <laughs> so that little one bag went enough but um but I, I mean, seriously, very impressed with the fact that the taste of the grits and, you know, I kind of went into the lab on it myself, which was I made the grits just with water. I didn't mm -hmm. add any salt, didn't add anything, you know, uh, no mm -hmm. butter, no salt. And wanted to see what 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 were we dealing with just as a raw mm -hmm. product, you know, mm -hmm. transformed. Delicious, delicious. Uh, the, the flavor profile was sweet, uh, you know, to some degree. It, the mm -hmm. texture was creamy without mm -hmm. adding anything. So super, I mean, it sells itself, I'm sure, once people <laughs> try it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm, uh, as a marketer, I'm extremely lucky that it turned out that way. Um, that, you know, not only is it more nutritious, but it's also uh, better tasting. And that's actually something now that... Um, you know, we, we discovered that early on, right? And we were like, wow, this is really great. Um, and now yeah. it's something that we actually really actively monitor and that we, that we, in our breeding program, that we breed for better taste and yeah. along with better nutrition. And 
Um, you know, and so, um, yeah, we don't, you know, we don't totally understand um, the science behind it, but we uh, do know that, you know, it, you know, we've, we've tested it and it does actually hydrate and respond to hydration differently than white or yellow corn, right? So you, you talked about the different texture, right? So it has this creamy, um, you know, smooth texture and- um, Really nice. And really nice. And it's actually because the starch, the starch structure in the, in the corn is actually different. Than, than white or yellow yeah. corn and that produces that and so um and in the, the carotenoids you know the we you know i think there's something having to do with the you know the, the carotenoids that adds this sort of richer flavor um along with that you know that the different um starch profile and um yeah it's just uh yeah i mean it, it I, I i love them i mean and then like you said i mean the the fact that you can you can you can make them with just water you know, maybe a little salt, uh, a little butter. I mean, um, and they're delicious, you know? And so, you know, they've been a big hit with vegans, you know, for that reason, right? You don't need to put a bunch of dairy in them uh, to make them delicious. Um, you know, they're super convenient. I mean, you can, you know, obviously stovetop is the preferred method, but you know, if you're in a hurry, you can make them in the microwave in like five minutes. Yeah, right? I did it both um, ways. I did it both ways. You know? And which is yeah. not something that you can do with most high quality grits, you know? That's um, right. That's right. You know, so it's not considered instant grits, right? No, no. Yeah, no, it's not instant grits. Um, I would say, you know, we're probably more similar in the size of the grit to like a quick grit than we are to a more mm -hmm. traditional stone ground grit. Um, yeah. And, um, you know, and I think that that just makes them, that makes them more versatile. You know, they work great for polenta as well. Um, I mean, you can even use them, you know, in place of cornmeal if, if you're in a pinch. Um, you know, for baking and things like that. Right. Um, mm -hmm. But, um, you know, I think that, you know, the the fact that they, you know, because I mean, let's be honest, I mean, who wants to spend an hour over the stuff top cooking? Exactly, exactly. Um, no, I mean, but, that was part of the reason why I was impressed with it because the it bloomed really quickly. And I thought, oh, okay, you know, um, let me let me try this on the stovetop. I think, uh, and in the microwave was really good too. I, so I, of course I did the grits and the eggs and I tasted, that was delicious. And then I said, well, what else can I do with it? And I ended up making a, a tamale. I had some, uh, like a few banana leaves out in the backyard that are, you know, fighting to come through with this weather. And um, <clears throat> unfortunately they got clipped, <laughs> but I, I used the banana leaves and I said, let me try to do a tamale uh with the grits and and i intentionally made that's when i used it in the microwave and i said well i'm not going to add you know anything to it i'm just going to go with water and kind of keep it stiff now i'm not a huge fan of tamales because i don't like that masa heavy masa taste mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but i found uh, i did a uh, i did a uh, smoked rib uh uh tamale with the green uh, salsa verde and great. yeah it was awesome I had some ribs left over and I just kind of you know broke them down and with some onions and peppers and and stuffed them in this cornmeal that I lined on a uh, banana leaf mm -hmm. and then I steamed them uh, and I did a quick steam again in the microwave uh, you know, I know the people who make tamales, it's very labor intensive. Uh, yeah, yeah. They're probably saying, oh, yeah. my God, no. But I was in the lab 
So give me a break, but very delicious. I, I, so I can't say enough about the product for sure. I'm looking forward to using the flour uh, mm -hmm. in a cake or some kind of baking process. Uh, how do you eat them? How yeah. do you, what do you use the products? Give us a little bit on that. Oh yeah, totally. Um, so the grits, yeah, like, I mean, I, I'd say like the two ways I typically eat them is I'll do them just like really simple in the microwave, you know, just uh -huh. like water, salt, some butter, um, you know, I kind of like that. You know, that's good for like the morning or midday, like, you know, rather than a super heavy, um, you know, grit. But um, I really also love, you know, cooking them on the stove top, um, you know, with like half broth, half milk, adding, oh, yeah. uh, I love to do uh, cream cheese um, uh -huh. grits. So, um, it does, it light, lightens the color up a little bit, but, um, you know, with some cream cheese and cheddar, um, and cooking them a little bit longer, you know, cooking them maybe 20 to 30 minutes, you know, and it, and it really, the, the texture just like, it's just like velvet. I mean, it's just like, uh -huh. um, yeah, so it's really, really, really good. Really rich. I can almost taste that with, uh. <laughs> A good, a good stewed down short rib on top, or yeah. uh, anything you know, yeah. vegetable medley would be great. Yeah, totally, totally. Uh -huh. Yeah, so they're super versatile. Like, yeah, and I don't. I mean, I would. Yeah, for me, like, I'll, I'll pair them with you know, kind of whatever protein you know makes sense at the time. You know, whatever we have, um, and um, the cornmeal, obviously, um, cornbread, corn muffins uh, works great for that. Um, you know, works great for um, breadings as well if you want a little bit of a crunchier breading. And then the corn flour actually um, works really well for breadings um, and fry batters and stuff. And and one of the things we've had um, some chefs comment about who, who use the product is that the, you know, when you fry fish or chicken, you know, it'll come out, it'll come out of the fryer uh, and it'll be really crispy. But then as it sits, It'll get uh -huh. soggy, Dummy. you know, it'll, it'll yeah. get soggy. Yeah. And the corn flour really holds the crispiness um, right. for much longer as, yeah. you know, it cools down. And it also produces just, you know, sort of beautiful, you know, darker golden brown uh, right. hue. You know, I think you got the rich, nice the richest, crust. Nice crust, richer flavor. Um, so, you know, those are all pretty standard. We also, um, we do a, a polenta cookie with the, uh, which you can do with the grits or the cornmeal. The recipe's on our website, professortorberts.com. Um, got a number okay. of recipes uh, available there. Um, you know, you can use the, use some of the corn flour, cornmeal and pizza crust. Um, you know, we've, we've done a gluten-free pancake um, with them. The recipe's on our website as well. And so, you know, there's just a lot of, um, a lot of different things you can do with them. And, um, you know, but I, I honestly, I. I usually keep it pretty simple, um, which I, which is one of the reasons I love the product. You know, it's it's uh, really, yeah. you know, high quality, easy to use, versatile. You know, one of the things we say about the grits is it's you know slow cooked flavor in a fraction of the time. You know. Yeah, um, it's 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 awesome. Thank you. <laughs> it's thank awesome. You. I, look, I'm getting ready to put my my neck my order in for sure. Tell me what's coming up for Nutrimaze. I know you have a GoDaddy campaign rolling. Mm -hmm. What's coming up new? Yeah, so um, 
you like you alluded to. So we are currently being featured in uh, a national advertising campaign by our web provider, GoDaddy. And so that's been running. Uh, there's an ad with me and three other uh, what we call GoDaddy makers. And, you know, it's sort of um, it's been really fun to work on because the whole campaign is called um, it's called 2021, like W-O-N. And so it's sort of like uh, the gist is 2020 was a dumpster fire. 2021 doesn't have to be. Um, it's, right. got a message, it's got a message <laughs> of hope. Uh, you know, it's featuring me and some other um, you know, individuals, entrepreneurs and stuff like that, that are trying to make a, you know, trying to make a difference. Um, I think, well, make a different future is the actual name of the campaign, but 2021 is one of the taglines. Um, and so, um, yeah, that's been great. We've got a great response. You know, we were on, we've been on national TV, uh, YouTube, it's, it's gotten over 20 million views on YouTube. Um, oh, wow. I was on a, you know, on a billboard in Times Square. Um, oh, that's nice. Yeah, so that was pretty cool. <laughs> uh, I can't say I ever really Another feather that. in your cap there. <laughs> yeah, I can't say I ever really imagined that happening. Um, and then, um, yeah, so that's been great. They're going to start running one. Um, it just has me featured in it, kind of talking about orange corn. Um, so that'll be really, really excited about that. And, um, you know, we, we built a new uh, sort of uh, really great website with them. Um, and so that, I think that does a really good job of telling our story and featuring the product and the recipes. And, um, you know, we're looking to kind of launch, uh, launch a blog um, and newsletter and, you know, and really try to do more to, um, you know, we're very active on Instagram uh, and we have a really great community of chefs. I think that's actually how we, we connected with you originally, um, right. you know, that we collaborate with. And so um, kind of want to keep, keep growing that and keep uh, expanding. You know, we want to uh, add some new, uh, some additional products to the product line, uh, the build product line, you know, initially, and then, you know, hopefully grow, grow out from there uh, into maybe some other categories. And uh, yeah, so, I mean, I think that, um, you know, also growing our retail presence, that's going to be a big focus this year. So we're actually- Yeah, sort of- that's what I was going to say. Can we find it in the grocery stores? Because I, I hadn't seen it, but I might so, be on the wrong coast. <laughs> no, so we're- um, <laughs> We're, so we're mostly online currently. So we're available on Amazon or our own website. Uh, also available on a new sort of uh, conscious consumer focused uh, site called Hive uh, Market or Hive Brands. Um, okay. And then we're, we are we are actually available um, in Texas at Central Market. So the, oh. the grits and the corn flour are available at Central Market. And those have been doing really well for them. Um, and so, yeah, so we're really looking to, to grow that. You know, we've really been focusing on uh, developing our online presence, you know, over the last year or two, and um, and also food service was going well until <laughs> the pandemic hit. Um, yeah. But um, is there any? Um, are there any uh, orange corn or Professor Torbert's t-shirts or hats or buttons or anything that we can walk uh, around wearing? Not not yet, but we do. That is on the docket <laughs> for this year. We need to we need to get those up on the site um, because yeah, I know it's uh, it's a fun brand. Um, yeah, because that yeah. graphic of your dad is just it's awesome. It's like who's this dude? He does look <laughs> it, it it's perfect. You know what I mean? It's like I don't know who this guy is, but he looks so happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, he's a jolly guy. He's. Um, He's a great guy. I'm really fortunate to have him as my as both my father and my co-founder. Yeah, that's so good. Thank you so much for, you know, taking a moment to 
come on Freestyle Flavor and, you know, share the story behind Nutri-Maze and Orange Corn, uh, which, I mean, I am so excited about because um, I, as a as an urban farmer, it's so important uh, for us to connect with where our food is coming from and to really have a conversation with the science behind and a company who is you know, has an aim in changing the world through nutrient-dense agriculture, mm-hmm. you know, is important. Yeah, yeah, thank you. No, this has been great. I really enjoyed the conversation. I'm sure um, this is only the beginning of our, uh, yeah. our relationship and our conversation. Have a great, great, great snowy day. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you. All right. Thanks for listening to Freestyle Flavor, a bi-weekly production. Be sure to hit the subscribe button so that you're alerted to every new uploaded episode. And if you'd like to get in contact with us here at the podcast, we'd love to hear back from you. Send your email to freshandfreestyleflavor at gmail.com. That's going to do it for this episode. In the meantime and in between time, I am Chef Tarsha. It's been a pleasure.